Hey, if you're visiting, my name's Rob Cosberg. I'm speaking today. Thanks for coming to the Lifeway Church. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to finish Ephesians chapter 2, God willing, today. Um, you know, I, really, I could use your prayers. It, it, the second part of Ephesians 2, it's just a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of really deep concepts. The, the, the more I read it, the more I dug in, it was like, wow, we could talk about this a lot. We could talk about this a lot. There are, there are great ideas and great concepts in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. So let me, let me go back through, give you a little overview of what we've hit, and then we'll read 11 and following, and then we'll see where the Spirit takes us for the next 35 or 40 minutes, okay? So beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, you know, uh, Reese, of course, preached last week. Prior to that, it was Marcel. I was actually out of town then. But, um, you know, we see that, the, that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and really to all of us uh, where, what our condition was prior to us knowing Christ. We were dead in our sins. Uh, we had no peace with God. We were in a, a pretty difficult state. But God, in His mercy, in, in His blessing, in His riches, sends us Jesus, and He gives us this opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to embrace His grace and His, and His rich mercy. Reese, of course, talked a lot last week about really understanding the, the, the concept of, of God's grace and works and how those things fit together. He did an awesome job, I thought, last week, didn't he? And so we come to, to verse 11 and following, and... A lot of what we're going to talk about today has to do with peace, but not peace in the sense of peace with God. That, that's part of it. But peace with each other and dealing with the hostility that is in the world. And there is a lot of hostility in this world. So let's read verse 11 and, and following. Paul says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, name calling back in the Old Testament, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in Himself... Excuse me, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but now you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's a lot there in there. Told you. See, Albert told you there's a lot there. 
You know how I like discussion? You, you say yes, yes, thank you. Who said that? Carly said that? Reese is always talking to you, Carly, and, and I, so I'm gonna, I may talk to you some today, too. Um, have you guys seen um, this thing on social media? I think it's mainly been on Facebook. It's a YouTube video, and I think it's called Driving Karma. Oh, exciting. Now you're, now you're in the service. Now you're here with us. Finally said something that got you. All right. It's this, it's this video, it's like two or three minutes long, where um, this, you know, young lady is uh, driving uh, in the left lane and there's this big old pickup truck that's like filling up her rearview window that's trying to like get around. And she starts videotaping him. And as, you know, she finally pulls up uh, fast enough past the other traffic, he drives around and he makes an obscene gesture. I'm not going to do anything, so don't be afraid. And someone pointed out to me that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I always talk about traffic, don't I? Uh, and <laughs> evidently I have issues there. And, and anyway, so he, and then, you know, he like gets all angry and makes some scene gesture and he floors it and, and it's the roads are wet. And this is, of course, in Florida, all crazy things happen in Florida. And he spins out and wipes his truck out into a telephone pole. Have you guys seen that? Who's, who's seen that video? Forgive you. I forgive you guys. That's a, you should be ashamed of yourself watching that. Gar I'm just kidding. I saw it too. It's kind of funny. Those of you that saw it, I'm going to ask for some help. I want to hear what you thought of it. I want you to say, tell me. Those of you that saw it, what did you think of that? What were the things that came to your mind when you watched that? It's okay. God will forgive you. We just took communion. Whatever things came here, it's all right. Please, tell me. He got what he deserved. Who said that? Someone like mumbled it. All right. I understand. He got what he deserved. All right. That was the whole driving karma thing, right? What else? Oh, the lady should have got over. How many of you guys thought that? How about that? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Got to have some fun at church, right? I hope, I hope you're having fun. I, I am. I'm doing my best to... What else? What else did you guys think? What? Why what? Why did it happen, right? Why was he so disrespectful on the road? Because you don't have a license, kid, and you don't understand yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Dallas. I love Dallas. <laughs> but I'm not kidding. Let me tell you, you get a license, you're going to see what happens out there. Wow. Right? Holy cow. The dividing wall of hostility. A driver's license. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, you, know, you know, that lady's gotten death threats. It's been viewed like five million times. And she has gotten death threats. I mean, people are like mega divided on this issue. Uh, there are some people who feel like, hey, he got what, he, what was coming to him. And then you hear, you know, that he was arrested several other times. And, you know, they ended up arresting him like they found him and arrested him. Um, and there are other people that feel, you know, 
I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was trying to get around somebody and they were like purposefully going slow and videotaping me, I would be unhappy about that. It would be challenging to deal with. I'm not condoning what happened. Just saying. And of course, she cracks up at the end. And I mean, yeah. Oh, you can all watch the video now. She's like, ha, 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 you got it, buddy. I got it all on video, she said. It's like, wow, it's ugly. It's the dividing wall of hostility. The world is a hostile place, guys. This, um, this reference that Paul makes, the dividing wall of hostility, what he's talking about there is, is actually he was, he was referencing the wall that surrounded the temple in Jerusalem. Some of you guys probably know that. Let me, let me describe what he was referencing because it was a visual image that he was painting for the Gentiles. See, he's talking about Gentiles and Jews. And for most of us, we don't, we don't get that, right? Like, oh, Gentiles and Jews don't like each other? Like, we don't live in that world. But we do live in the world where there are plenty of other people don't like each other, right? And, and we're those people, right? So he, he's, he's making the most stark contrast possible in his day and age, and it was all about Gentiles and Jews, and, he, and he's telling them about this dividing wall of hostility. So let me explain how the temple works. So the temple was built on a, on a, on a platform. It was built above, you know, the, the rest of the area. And from, the, from out, out the temple, you had these outer courts. You had the outer court of priests. Then you had the outer court of Israel, it was called. And then beyond that was the outer court of women. Sorry, sisters. That's just the way it was. And then there were five steps down. Okay? So... This is like four. So one more, like right there, five steps down. And then a massive wall up that was built around the whole temple. Okay? Now, from that massive wall, there were 14 more steps down. Okay? So, I don't know, you know, halfway up, right? 14 more steps. And that was the court of the Gentiles. And there were signs hung all around on the wall. And the signs basically said, and archaeologists have dug this up and they have the signs, basically say that if a Gentile would enter, enter this, then he would do it and be killed and it would be his own fault and responsibility, him, him or her. You may remember the story. You know how Paul was arrested and he ended up in Rome and a lot of the letters they wrote, you know, he's, he's under arrest. The reason he was arrested was because they saw him in the temple in Jerusalem and they said that he brought an Ephesian, a Gentile, into the temple area with them. You know that story in Acts? Just say, yeah, yeah, well, yeah it sounds familiar. Okay, so they, they said, oh, he brought a Gentile in here. Arrest him. Let's kill him. And they were going to kill him. And then the Romans stepped in and, and arrested him because of all this commotion that was going on. Well, that's, that was the dividing wall of hostility that Paul was talking about. This, this huge division where if you were to look up to the temple and you were in the Gentile court, I mean, the temple was way up there. And it was divided by these 19 steps and a massive wall. And you couldn't get in. Under penalty of death. That was the dividing wall of hostility. Do you get the picture now? Now, we don't, we don't get the reference as much, Jew and Gentile. But is there a dividing wall of hostility in this country, black to white? White, white to black? What about all races? I mean, you know, look, look around this group. This is just, this is like the majesty of God. Because we have all races and so many nations represented here. This is not normal. 
You know, in the South, the most segregated and divided day of the week, you know what that is? It's Sunday. Sunday. It's the dividing wall of hostility. And maybe it's not race. Maybe, you know, you grew up and you appreciate all races, but, but maybe you hate rich people. And, and you don't hate anybody now, but you get, you get maybe, maybe there was that natural bias towards, you know, people that are rich. I mean, they're all thieves and liars and cheats, and that's how they got there. Or maybe it's poor people. You know, they're all lazy and they don't work, and, and they just want a handout, right? And there's this wall of hostility. Maybe it's USC versus UCLA. <laughs> All spoiled children there. They're snooty. I, you know, there's like something kind of innate and natural, sinful in us that wants to draw lines and build fences and build walls. Do you get that? Do you feel that? Even as Christians, there is that temptation. It could be racial, social, economic, could be national. Look what's going on with Crimea. Look what's going on with the issues one nation to another. There's a dividing line between North and South Korea. What Paul says here, and this is like, guys, I mean, you've got to grasp this. This is 2,000 years ago this was written. Okay, 2,000 years ago. What he's saying is like revolutionary. This, this is, when you dig deep, it's like, we don't get it now. I mean, we think we are so progressive, right? We want to be all inclusive and we don't get it now. And, and they were talking about this 2,000 years ago. Paul said, this is what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring equality for all people. And he's talking about Jew and Gentile here. But if you look in Colossians 3 and also Galatians 3, and we won't turn there, he, he talks about, you know, those verses where he says, you know, there's no male or female. There's no slave or free. There's no Greek and Jew. You know that? That's what he's saying. He said, there's equality. I mean, women got the right to vote. When? Like 120 years ago. Right? Maybe less than that. Does anybody know the date? I probably should have looked that up before I said something, right? Wow. I mean, 1,900 years after Paul says Jesus brought equality to everybody, there's no equality in this world. Do, do, do you see how revolutionary this stuff is? It's like, wow, this is really cool. All inequalities, all divides are non-existent in Christ. That's what Jesus came to bring. He came to break down this dividing wall of hostility that we have naturally within our sinful nature towards one another, towards people outside unlike us. You see that in every area of life. We've been talking, in fact, we talked most of last year about becoming a church for what? The unchurched. Why is that? Because it's so natural to build a wall up between us and them. Who we are and who they are. That's what the Jews did. You know, God chose the, the Jewish people. And the Jews took that, completely twisted it, and said, you know what? We're favorite. God hates all the rest of you, your dogs. We despise you. 
That's what they, they totally twisted it. And you know what? The temptation is the same for us today. To feel like we're special, we're above, we're better, when we're not. We're equal. Is that cool stuff? I mean, think about it. That was written two... I, I read that and I go, wow, that's... Like, that was... That's some advanced stuff right there. We haven't figured it out yet, and we think we're progressive. And as a people, right? And look what Paul was talking about 2,000 years ago. Well, he breaks it down in three areas, okay? And I'm going to break it down in those three areas for you, and we'll hit as much of this as we can, and who knows, maybe I'll ask you guys another question. I don't know where this goes, really. Hopefully it'll be fun for you, and you'll learn some things, and we can make some changes in our life. Amen? So he breaks down in these three areas. The past, I call it. The past, the present, and the future. By the way, I, you know, I don't normally title my messages. I just let whoever does that. I, I titled this War and Peace. I thought I'd title it something that has never been used before. Something unique. The past, the present, and the future. Look in verse 11 with me. He says, Therefore, remember... That formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised. Was that a favorable term, you think? No. No. Called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. That done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. You know, we're often told to remember in the Scriptures. You know? I mean, there's some things we want to forget, right? And we want God to forget. But we're often told to remember certain things. One of those things, where we came from, right? How we were before. Where we stood. You guys, I think I've said this probably many times, I'll say it again. Every morning I, I do a prayer walk with my dogs. They're my prayer partners. Far more spiritual than me, but let me tell you, hostility reigns in their lives. <laughs> this morning, like every morning, we're walking, we're praying. Yeah, I think they pray too. They listen at least. And we always walk by other dogs. And I have, you know, a bull terrier. He's my favorite. You can pick favorites if they're dogs. Doesn't, Bible doesn't say you can't do that. And we walk by a, a if we walk by a small dog, and we can't walk by any dog. By the way, we have to cross the street, or you, you get what I mean. So we walk by, meaning that you know there's two lanes between us. And if it's a little dog, he doesn't pay much attention. If it's a big dog, the hair just stands straight up on his back, just and he just starts. He, he grunts, he snorts, and, and he, he, just, he just doesn't he, babe? I mean, he is just awesome. He's like. I love that dog. <laughs> but he's got hostility in him towards other dogs. If you have a dog, you understand. We used to be like that. Maybe in some ways we're still like that. Paul says, you know, we, um, we were separate from Christ. And we were separate from people. Uh, I, I grew up... I grew up Jewish. You guys know that, or most of you do. Um, I can remember, like in my lifetime, I can remember going to a family member's house and there being a picture of one of the family members, a cousin of mine, 
little older than me, 10, 15 years older than me. And they had like a memorial for this person on their, uh, over their fireplace. What's that thing called? Mantle. Thank you very much. Wow. <clears throat> and I asked, I remember I was a little kid. I was eight, nine years old, something like that. Maybe six, seven. I asked my grandmother, I was like, I thought, I, I, you know, I didn't know he died. And my, my grandmother said, well, he married a Gentile. I mean, in the orthodoxy among Jews, they would actually have a few in my lifetime. They still do this would have a funeral like a funeral type memorial service for a family member that marries a Gentile. You go, wow, really? That kind of divide exists in our lives. And maybe it's not Jew Gentile, but we need to. Really consider, what was it when you study the Bible? You know, we're either in this place right now, if we're not Christians, or we were. Where there were hostilities that we had to deal with in our life. Natural hostilities. Relationship issues with other people. It could have been a parent, mom, dad. Abandonment issues. Could have been a brother or sister, someone very close. Tends to be those people that hurt us the most. Maybe a friend. And I dare say that you didn't become a Christian until you faced and dealt with those issues of hostility. And if you did and just kind of buried it until later, that kind of stuff will haunt you until you deal with it once and for all. This place that we were at before we were Christians, Paul says this about it. He says, we were without hope and without God in this world. You know, one of the reasons that Paul says this towards the Gentiles is the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Those, in fact, Jews today, those that are still Orthodox in the faith, are waiting for the Messiah. They just don't realize He came. So... The Jews at least had hope. And that's what Paul's saying. They had hope that there would be a Messiah that would fix things for them. For those of us that didn't know Jesus, didn't know He was coming, we had, we had no hope. No way to fix this. We were without God in this world. We faced our problems and our issues and our challenges on our own. Aren't you thankful today that you don't have to face your problems on your own? Aren't you happy for that? Really? You know, I face so many challenges. I know you do. And you know, a lot of my problems are first world problems, right? And so are yours. For the most part, we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat when church is ending. We're just worried about how long I'm going to take to end before we get to eat. I understand that. But we're not worried about the meal that we're going to have. That doesn't make our worries any less worrisome or our concerns or our fears any less trial, any less challenging and, and trials for us. But, you know, we have we have Christ now to fill that. We have him to help us before we were without hope. He says, you know, you need to remember that. That's what he's saying here. That's, that's the point. You need to remember your past. 
You need to remember, there are difficulties in being in the church, but there are far less than being out. Amen? You need to remember that, he said. The second is the present. Verse 13 through 18. The present. He says, but now, this was the past we just dealt with, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. He has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. Get this. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two. In other words, unity. Complete unity. Thus, making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and He preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. There are two aspects to the present that you read about here. The first is the blood of Christ. That's the gift of God. That Jesus made peace for us. But he says something else as well. He says in verse 11, he says, Now in Christ Jesus, those in Christ Jesus, and he talks about how we were brought near by the blood of Christ. The two aspects or ideas are that the blood of Christ did the work and made peace, but that's for those in Christ. And to, to be in Christ is to remain where? In Christ. What he did once, we also must continue to do in our own lives. And that's forgive us and give us the opportunity for forgiveness. I watched this, uh, I watched a few minutes of this documentary there the other day um, on Gary Ridgway. Anybody ever hear of him? He was the Green River Killer. You heard of that? Yeah. Um, Gary Ridgway was the most notorious serial killer in the history of the United States of America. In and around Seattle. Um, I don't think they know how many, but it's approaching a hundred women he killed. Yeah. Terrible. Evil. He was convicted and the documentary is in the courtroom during his sentencing and during his sentencing the family members are able to come up and look at him not you Kevin but you get it you know look at him and say whatever they want to say to him whoa Susie yeah whoa so I watched some of this imagine what was said he was called vile, evil, murderer. He was called... There was, they, they had said they hoped he lived a long, painful, torturous life of abuse before he died. He, they, they, every, everyone, just one after the other, came up and said 
And you can imagine the pain that they felt because they lost daughters and mothers and sisters and there were hundreds of people there. And he just, he just looked. I mean, no emotion, no expression. Has anybody seen this? It's on Facebook too. I'm on Facebook a lot. That's the one minute thing. There's also a documentary thing. And, and this one old man gets up, right? And he says, because his daughter was killed, and he basically says that, uh, Mr. Ridgeway, uh, you've made this very difficult for me, but because of my belief in God and what Christ teaches, I want you to know that I forgive you. You are forgiven, he said. And Gary Ridgway just breaks down and weeps. Dozens of people point at him, say the most vile things, probably have a right to. But the one man that offers forgiveness breaks the hard exterior of a serial killer. This is what Jesus' forgiveness did for, for me. It's what His forgiveness did for you, didn't it? See, this part is all Jesus. Look with me for a moment. Don't tell Reese we're going to go to Isaiah. Just really briefly. Really briefly. Just, just for a second. Isaiah 53. This is Jesus right here. This is what Jesus did. Like, like it's not what I could do. It's not what you can do. This is what Jesus did says, who has believed our message? This, of course, the prophecy about Jesus. You're familiar with it. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In fact, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. But surely he took up our infirmities, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us what? Peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way and the lord has laid on jesus the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and afflicted yet he didn't open his mouth he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is silent so he did not open his mouth by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. And prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life onto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is what Jesus did for us. He brought us peace. And He brought us peace with God, but He brought us peace with each other. He gives us the opportunity to forgive. To forgive each other and to be forgiven. Back to Ephesians 2, final final point. Ephesians 2, the future. Starting in verse 19, consequently, meaning, therefore... You're no longer foreigners and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built future together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. He talks about three things here. He talks about fellow citizens in God's kingdom. He talks about being part of God's family, God's household. And He talks about being like a, a stone, a building block in the temple of God. This is the result that Jesus did for us. You know, next week, I mark 26 years as a Christian. I know, wow. Uh, that's most of my adult life. I turned 50 this year. So most of my adult life, I've been a Christian. Let me ask you, who do you think has wronged me most my adult life? Christians. Who do you think I've wronged the most my adult life? Other Christians. At times I was a leader. So I could wrong lots of people, sometimes all at once. Sometimes I had to work on it one by one. It was harder, took more effort. Sometimes people were justified in what they said to me, and sometimes they weren't. Sometimes I responded wrong. Maybe sometimes I didn't. Point being... I needed, like, forgiveness, and I needed to forgive other people. And, you know, I, I always feel bad about one thing. Well, I feel bad about lots of things, but I feel bad when Reese isn't here because then his family doesn't get pointed out as much. When he's here, you know, he always makes sure to lift his family up and say things. So, so I wanted to ask a question to Joseph, if I could. You know the answer to this, so don't be afraid, Joe. In the church, like, you know, there's a sinner oftentimes in leadership, and then there's sinners in followership, and then there's sinners that are brothers and sinners that are sisters, and right? So there's a lot of negatives when it comes to that. And so in math, two negatives equal what? A positive. Who said that? Kevin, did you say that? Are you a physics major as well? Well done, my friend. I thought we needed a physics major for that. Thank you, Joe. I wanted to lift you up there.
Joe's looking for a job. You see his skills. So looking for an engineering position. You know, only in math do two negatives equal a positive. In the church, there are lots of negatives. But fortunately, we have one, like, huge positive. His name's Jesus. Amen? Oftentimes, when we're, like, sinning against each other, and we're not meaning to, we make a lot of mistakes. There are a lot of things that go wrong. You know, I mean, I may have offended, probably offended somebody with something that I said. If that's the case... You know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> Deal with it. Amen. <laughs> Let my wife know. She'll break it to me later. I mean, we blow it, right? The future is that we're being built, guys. We're not perfect. We're not always positive. We're not always saying and doing and knowing the right thing. But that's okay. Because we're being built up in Christ. Amen. One day we'll be perfect. We'll have a perfect body. We'll be transformed, the Bible says. We'll be with God forever. The the, the sinful nature destroyed, right? But for now, wow, the sinful nature doing fine. Right? I mean, we're holding it down. We're, We're crucifying it. But just like any crucified body, it wants to get off the cross. We're being built. That's the future for us. And as long as you're a Christian, as long as you're in the church, people are going to hurt you. You're going to hurt others. And it's because you're being built. Accept it now. It's fine. It's really fine. It's okay. Right? Understand, we have one big peacemaker. And he tore down that wall of hostility that Satan is always trying to build up. He wants to build it up. He wants to build it up between you and your brother, you and your sister. That's what we are, the family of God. Don't let him do that. Don't let him do that. Forgive and be forgiven because Jesus tore down that dividing wall of hostility. Amen? I hope this was helpful for you. It was helpful for me to go through it. Uh, I enjoyed Ephesians chapter 2. Let Reese know we finished up on Ephesians and it was really great. Don't tell him that I went to Isaiah 53. Why don't we have a prayer together and then we can have an awesome Sunday. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus, for the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for these words that are so revolutionary. I mean, though they were written thousands of years ago, they are so applicable to us today. Thank you, God. Thank you that he tore down that dividing wall of hostility. Father, whatever there is that we may have that needs to be forgiven of someone else in this room or outside the room, help us, God, to forgive. Help us to let it go and not have that poison running through our veins. And Father, if we need forgiveness, I pray you help us to be bold so that we can go and ask for forgiveness and mend those relationships because God, once and for all, Jesus tore down that dividing wall. We love you, Lord. We thank you for that. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, guys.